So hey everybody, welcome to episode 244 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Dimitra, and this week I am in Kauai, in the in Hawaii, state of Hawaii, I guess. And I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. Technically, it's and, up in San Jose from where you are right now. Oh, okay, right, okay. So and uh, and uh, also up for me is uh, up the road is Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Right. You're the northerner this this week, I guess. Right? I'm, I'm always the northerner. I'm always the northerner. Oh, that's true. Person. Yeah, that's true. That is Despite the fact that we think of Canada as being north of the United States, your particular part of Canada dips further south than my part of the United States. Sure, sure. All right. So I guess we have some fact check. Um, last week I was talking about um, uh, NVMe memory or non-volatile, non-volatile memory express. The E stands for express. And uh, that was in respect to the SSD drive I was trying to put into my MacBook uh, Air. And uh, we also talked about the social network and we were talking about the other guy that was uh, around during the creation of Facebook, and that would be Eduardo Saverin, played by Spider-Man Andrew Garfield. And the last thing we had for fact check was that we were, I was mentioning the founder of iFixit, and his name is Kyle Weens. And uh, yeah, he, he started out the, the whole site because he had a G3 laptop, as did I, and he couldn't figure out how to fix it. He couldn't find any instructions on how to take it apart. I mean, Apple used to keep all that stuff to themselves, and so he was a little frustrated with that. So he, he started up the iFixit site to get help other people repair their own equipment. So there we go. Originally known as Mac Fix It, right? Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and I, I guess they went to iFix It when the iPhones came out. Is that right? Or Presumably, yeah. Batteries? At some point along the way. Right. Okay, cool. Um, so the first thing I've got here, and this is a follow-up, is, uh, and we've talked we're, uh, we've talked about this many times before, and that's uh, software engineer salaries. And there's a quick um, uh, tweet here by John Ehrlichman uh, listing off a series, a series of, of large companies that you know, like Airbnb, Netflix, Dropbox, Facebook, Apple. IBM um, and Amazon uh, and he quotes his source as being and Pesa and uh, what was interesting about this first of all you can look at the numbers in the show notes you know they're all kind of similar to the numbers we talked about before but I'm sure there's a skeptic on the other end over there in San Jose saying we don't know how what the, the pool size of people being uh, um, you know uh, who's responding uh, or what they're responding and whether and whether Pesa I guess is like a recruiting agency if it's in their best interest to um, to report uh, honest uh, things and people were sort of saying in, on in the tweet in the tweet replies that this is more this is average salaries and it's more accurate to look at total compensation and they talked they said they rather should be using median salaries so my non-computer science head is going what's the difference between average and median so averages if you add up yeah add up all, yeah and divide um, it by the number okay, yeah yeah so so median then is if you split the whole set of numbers uh the median is the number where exactly 50 percent of them are lower and 50 percent of them are higher oh okay gotcha so the difference is if you have a few high flyers, like if you have a couple of people making, you know, a couple of million bucks a year, then it's going to make the mean higher, but the median won't really be affected all that much by it because most people aren't making that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's like a majority kind of view of things, I guess. Yeah. So you uh, take, it's not, you know, it's, it's not based on the actual values. It's based on the number of, number of people making those numbers when you talk about the median in some sense. But what I wanted to point out to fo- folks driving at home is that the, um, 
one of the responses here was was from a gentleman. I'm just waiting for LinkedIn to load up. His uh, his response to this, and this was by Jesse Tinsley, uh, that he wrote an article on LinkedIn called "You're Not Getting Paid Enough and Here's Why." And he goes through a number of factors. I don't know if you guys click on the link there to sort of see what um, how people are being compensated for, you know, based on where they're living and you know cost, cost of livings and that kind of stuff. And a much more interesting uh, way of looking at uh, what you're getting paid and whether it's the right amount of money or not. Yeah, I hadn't hadn't read the article. I'd, I'd seen the tweet when you uh, you linked to it. And okay, this gets super complicated because the, a lot of these companies have multiple offices. But I think it's fair to say that some of these are very clearly weighted towards Silicon Valley in terms of their distribution. And some are very clearly weighted towards, let's say, like the Seattle area, for example. So when I look at uh, Microsoft and Amazon, who are both uh, very heavy here in the Seattle area, difference of 143,000 and 134,000. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's that's pretty reasonable. I would have thought that Microsoft would be a little higher on their average, but for the reasons that Mark stated, um, it, it could be diluted by uh, a whole bunch of new college hires or something, for example. Um, right. And then you look at the Bay Area ones, and they tend to be more in that 200 plus range for the most part, with the notable exception of Apple bringing up the rear at 185,000, which is not surprising in any way, just based on what I've heard anecdotally, but I am a little surprised at the spread. Like I always knew, oh yeah, Apple doesn't pay necessarily the highest. Um, there is a bit of like the prestige factor that they're sort of uh, betting on, but I didn't realize it'd be, all right, who, who's the largest one on this? Is that Air? Yeah, it's so 277, like you're losing like 90K by going from Airbnb to Apple, right? Or gaining <laughs> from going to more. And I do wonder if these are all base salary or if there's if they're mixing base and, and uh, bonus and maybe even some equity compensation into some of these numbers and not in others. For some of the, the range differences. Sure, and it could be reported by five disgruntled people as opposed to, you know, 50 or whatever from each company, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I'm just pulling these numbers out of nowhere, but Apple could pay the 185k salary and give you, you know, 300k a year in equity. So mm, your right. comp is like 500k, and Airbnb may give you the 277 salary and 200k in equity, and then you're only getting, and you're still getting the same amount or not. Or I, I have no idea. It's hard to say just from these numbers. Okay. Okay. Looking at the article, the takeaways is interesting. I'm gonna pick on them for for not giving us for like burying the lead on this one. So number five, sign on bonus were not given in over 90% of offers. That's a very convoluted way of saying only 10% of people get sign-on bonuses. Of those, candidates that request a sign-on bonus with a specific reason as to why received a sign-on bonus over 90% of the time. Hmm. So the natural question in my mind is, what were those reasons that were successful? Yeah. Any reason? Because I want more money? <laughs> I just need to write it down? <laughs> I'm going to write a whole bunch of zeros on this piece of paper and slide it over, see if you nod. Right. Just like in the movies. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll never know. I mean, we're not telling. All right. Um, the next story here is uh, one that I, I saw uh, yesterday, actually, and I just uh, grabbed it. But uh, I saw an article that talking about. Um, but I, one of the one of the people that I follow is uh, uh, through an email list is um, an organization that keeps track of Canadian cell phone rates and uh, charges and changes to our our laws related to mobile, you know, use of mobile technologies and stuff like that. And you know, they they go they try to have these you know causes where they get a list of people to go and fight government or whatever on, on different things. But uh, what was interesting, they, they posted an article today saying that um, the Vancouver airport has started doing more uh, inspection of people's phones as they cross the border. And they wanted to put up some billboards around the airport to say that, you know, to give people a heads up that this was happening. And the Vancouver Airport Authority, for some reason, wouldn't let them put
put the signs up. But uh, so so I, as a bit of follow up here, since I don't have much uh, on the article other than the email I got from uh, from them directly, I put in a, a, a link here to our privacy commissioners page. Uh, we have a privacy commissioner. I don't know if you got something similar in the states, but um, uh, and I believe it's a lady right now. So information for Canadian travelers about you know what can happen with your cell phone uh, or your mobile devices as you cross the border. You know like things to be wary of that you know they can ask to unlock your device and if you refuse to unlock the device they, they have the rights to you know uh, retain the device for further inspection later that kind of stuff so just a heads up to people when you're crossing borders we talked about this before just be uh, a little careful just curious uh, and non sequitur yeah. tim can you get a direct flight from toronto to hawaii or did you have to fly through say vancouver or something yeah and in, in this well you you can and you can i mean we're flying we flew this i don't think it's a direct flight that goes all the way here probably because of uh economies of scale i think but um like in, i don't know can you fly from new york to hawaii as an example or boston uh probably new york i don't okay. know 100 for sure but probably you can yeah so we we flew to uh we flew to um uh hawaii sorry we flew to vancouver on the way out and then we flew to uh to Lui and then we drove up to where we are now we're on the north yeah. shore and um on the way back we're going through dallas so uh, but i think it's a different airline that we're going back on so but i mean um what was i gonna say about that oh what happened was thanks to Jaime's friends over at Boeing, uh, because of the snafu with the uh, 787, we had our, our we had a planned flight where we we're going to fly in, you know, leaving in the mid afternoon, you know, have an hour at the airport or whatever, transfer onto the plane, and then hop over here to Hawaii. But instead, we had to fly out at six o'clock in the morning and then have like an eight hour layover in Vancouver. So and then so by the time we got here, it's like five o'clock in the morning our time. So it was like a full you know 24 hours of travel almost, right? Yeah. So that was kind of brutal. I think we're all still recovering from that. <laughs> yeah. You know. um, real-time follow-up here. There are no non-stop flights from Toronto to Hawaii, but there are at least one non-stop flight from New York City to Hawaii. Yeah. Sure. 10 hours, 45-minute yeah. flight time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still pretty long, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny, the airline I flew on doesn't have in... They don't have um, the LEDs on the back of the, the chairs as, you, as you're flying, so just we just assume there was no entertainment, but they have... Um, they have they now have internet, right? So and you can pay for internet, but if you don't have internet you can still use your device to connect to their their like uh, ad hoc network and you can get all the entertainment stuff you wanted but i didn't find that out until the second flight so first flight mind you the first flight i was sleeping most of the time anyway what airline did you fly WestJet, which is our i think it's our uh, i think they're out of calgary or somewhere like that oh. yeah anyway so yeah just be aware of your devices when you're crossing borders and stuff anybody going down to wwc you may want to consider that too so Jaime, you have some news here that's kind of big news i don't know why it was up here in the follow-up but i guess it belongs there I mean, it came out just timely today. Um, I got an email about this, and then Mark, you you mentioned it in our Slack. I'll give you credit there. Her credit is due. Uh, that is the uh, that is the fact that MongoDB has acquired Realm, which we've talked about. Realm, the uh, online database and syncing platform, uh, for what about thirty nine million in cash? Uh, there we go. But is it acquired, or, or are they just they're still in the very very firm talks sort of thing? Uh, definitive agreement. That means unless something goes very wrong, uh, it's a done deal although it's not the deal's not closed yet they're saying the deal won't close actually until january 2020 which is kind of a long okay. time yeah. uh, but uh, but the definitive agreement means yeah they're they're doing it right. cool. i was actually a little surprised that that number was that low mm -hmm. uh, but you know well, i mean I don't, I don't really know anything about how big realms business is but i guess maybe it's not maybe they they have more mind share than than uh, market market share i guess yeah well in their in their blog post they say that uh they because they, they have a 
on their website they have a, a announcement about this and that's where I found it it was definitive but um, they say they have a hundred thousand developers using the tool and they I think they said 350 companies um, have clients who are syncing data right well this is so, this is why I say mindshare versus market share so it, it, right. it doesn't mean that those are all paying customers or paying right clients, right so. yeah the hundred thousand definitely not because I think you, you can get it for free right so right right this is a little bit weird I'm glad you you brought up the the amount there so looking at Crunchbase, they have uh, they're in the 51 to 100 employee range, yep. and the total funding amount that they took in was 40.2 million over four rounds. Ouch! Ouch! So that ouch! strikes yeah. me as not a good thing for yeah. yeah yeah i mean i don't know and i'm just surmising but it, it sounds like they might have needed to be acquired oh <laughs> but i don't know right. who knows yeah don't yeah, yeah. if you work at realm don't don't yell at your phone uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we wish you the best but just given our history and, we, and we've talked about this uh, multiple different ways and aspects over the history of this show about how vc um, investment works and you know when do you actually get some money in this sort of of acquisition deal and how that can vary based on are you a founder are you first employee are you um, a brand new employee who just stepped in the day of the acquisition that sort of thing um yeah it's, it's generally not looking good given my understanding of how this usually works but yeah caveat it with like it could be completely different uh yeah ending Other we don't, we're not we don't know to. but but yeah but in general uh if it's a vc funded company that gets acquired the vcs get paid first uh because the vcs have preferred shares which are better than the common shares, which is what the employees generally get, uh, and you know, this is why I kind of hem and haw a little bit. If if the if the amount if the acquisition price is less than the total amount of funding, which is the total amount that the VCs put in, well, the VCs are going to get their money out first. So you do the math, right? Not necessarily right. for the employees, unfortunately. Hmm. All right. Well, okay. Cool. But, you know, who knows? Every case is different. We could be completely wrong. Let's hope we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is under our new WTF or WTFU. Uh, section of the show. Um, this uh, I just found this article today uh, through following a few people, few people on Twitter, um, and uh, basically that uh, there was somebody who was on our our public uh, our provincial transit train, the GO train, which takes you in and out of Toronto. And most people travel in the morning. Uh, I tried to buy a coffee for five dollars uh, on the uh, McDonald's app. And uh, when he got to the store where he placed the order, for some reason, they didn't have the order. And he was like, what? I've got a confirmation. Um, then a couple of days later, he noticed that he was defrauded uh, some $2,000 in purchases made on his account over the next couple of days or a couple of weeks, I guess. And uh, apparently it's it's happened to quite a few people. So, I mean, the subtitle of his article is I tried to buy a coffee and then was defrauded 2000 His pro tip is delete the McDonald's app from your phone. So here's an interest, interesting interesting uh conundrum for uh for mcdonald's app and and how it's being used and uh yeah yeah that's kind of scary i mean it's 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 you'd think in this day and age someone like mcdonald's would understand the security implications and make sure that things were solid before uh before sure, yeah it. yeah so i mean there's a statement here from uh their uh, senior manager of external communications that you know they they have thousands of uh, canadians place orders every day and uh they're aware of some isolated inc- incidents involving unauthorized purchases that have occurred but i mean 
it, so again, this guy, he was, you know, traveling on a public train, you know, not using tunnel bear, obviously, <laughs> um, you know, using his cell phone. So who knows what, what, uh, who was spoofing or whatever. Right. So, and what they're able to, to get from. So, so does it, does it imply then that, that, uh, McDonald's, the app was sending, uh, password information in clear text on a public, and so on a public network, if somebody happened to be sniffing, they've got your password and I don't know. I mean, it could be any number of ways kind that of they got in there, like right? Based on based on those numbers, because because you know if if they're doing that, then you know if you're on just on a regular you know cell network or something, or or well, maybe even a cell on a cell network, but 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 ch- someone has to be sniffing uh, and happen to to sniff your password while you're using it, and it's being sent in the clear uh, in order to take advantage of it. Um, so that would account for the fact that it's not rampant; it's just a small percentage, as opposed right. to someone who was like actively trying to hack their server or something and and if and if they were able to break in and steal thousands of passwords then this would be much more common i would think right well we'll have to maybe see if patrick O'Rourke is the person who wrote the article on mobile surf we'll have to see what uh yeah. follow-up comes from from the article um see if he can give us any enlighten enlighten us, enlighten us in any way he's saying that his bank uh is and his and mcdonald's himself are uh sort of pointing fingers at each other which which is surprising because i know that i know that in um in uh, Canadian banking law, we're protected against uh, fraud um, with with respect to our banks, right? So I don't know how it works with debit purchases if it's different or something like that. But yeah, obviously there's something wrong here. Uh, I think it'll get resolved uh, in his favor. Like he's probably not going to get stuck with the bill. I'd really surprised if that happened. But uh, yeah, bad news. You know, and, uh, too bad that uh, hopefully McDonald's gets this patched up, right? Yeah. And, and again, I'm pretty sure the American app and the Canadian app are not the same app. So mm, yeah. those of you in in Wichita worrying about this, I would I'd maybe maybe wouldn't worry about it. I don't know. <laughs> I deleted the McDonald's app from my phone. Let's put it that way. I don't really eat at McDonald's, but you know, and I had the app just for the sake of getting a coffee or something like that, but not anymore. Yeah. I use the uh, Starbucks and Pete's app all the time and have never had a problem with it, but I don't use McDonald's. Yeah. We use Starbucks all the time too. Yep. Yeah. All right. So Jaime, do you have something for our listening pleasure? We do. We've got a couple articles by uh, Guillermo Rambo over at nine to five Mac, all about stuff that is supposedly coming up in new iOS and new Mac OS presumably to be announced at WWDC. Just to uh, interject here, I think Gear Rambo is going to be speaking at NS North in a couple of days. As we are recording this on the yeah. 24th, that is correct. I think April 30th, I think, is the, the uh, conference date. It's the end of the week. So I think Friday is the workshop and then Saturday, Sunday might be the uh, conference. Oh, it's the end of this week. While you're, I thought it was next week. Yeah. No, this is this week. So I'll, I'll check it while you're, while you're, uh, that's why I'm, I'm, I wanted to go to NS North, but I'm stuck here in Hawaii. What can I say? <laughs> there, but for the grace of God, go I, right? That's what they- yeah, something like so that. So the appropriate yeah. response on this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boo-hoo, as I can hear you guys saying. Uh, yes, so some things that are that are being talked about here are the Shortcuts app coming over to macOS. Uh, apparently not to macOS apps, like AppKit-based apps per se, but for Marzipanified um, mm. iOS apps, iPad apps that are coming over. So apparently that'll be a thing. So presumably the Siri shortcuts that would work just as they would on iPhone and iPad would then through some means here work on or continue to work on mac os which i think is kind of interesting in a weird way that you would have like normal apps that wouldn't be able to do it but then you'd have these marzipanified apps that would be able to do it very right. curious to see the story around that so the real-time follow-up the uh, ns north dates are um april 26th which is tomorrow thursday no sorry friday right april 26th and uh to the 28th so i think friday is the uh reception if i'm not mistaken 
Yeah, it's cool about uh, Siri shortcuts. So screen time is going to Sherlock a number of apps that I use on my Mac, by the way. I just, I don't know if you guys realize that. I use a number of apps to time my activities. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if screen time offers me anything better than what I get from those. Because I get pretty, like, with with Mac, um, like time, one one of them is actually called timing. So let's just, let's talk about timing app. Uh, it breaks down the amount of time that the app is in focus on my, on my Mac and tracks what documents I had open and that kind of stuff. So if I'm ever trying to sort out what I was doing with what and to whom, um, I can always sort of break down, you know, my timing from, from uh, pardon the pun, uh, in terms of what I was doing. So if I'm invoicing somebody for work or or if I'm, you know, just trying to figure out how much time I'm spending on the podcast, that kind of stuff, or I can I can keep track of things uh, quite well that way. And I'm getting that as part of that set app um, bundle, right? So, um, yeah. And, I, and I've, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, I don't know. Do you guys use screen, screen time on your phones? Do you even look at it anymore? I get notifications, but uh, yeah, I kind of don't even and look at it. Yeah. I never set it up because I said, there's no point. I know I spend too much time on social media. <laughs> Why do I need the exact stats? I already know I have a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you could be doing research for the podcast, right? So, yeah. Now, so what else you got from us uh, else? Or did you talk about the WWDC part of that? The, that was both parts for the first article. The second article, which will, of course, as always, have linked in the show notes for those of you driving at home, is uh, a bit more on the developer side, which is kind of nice. So apparently there will be new Siri intents, including uh, media playback, which I think is smashing for the sorts of things like Hint Hint Overcast or Castro or Pocket Cast or anything that plays media that is not the Apple Music app. Uh, where else? Uh, search, which I'm a little unclear what, what that means. I assume it means we can hook into search in some sort of way or trigger search within apps. Uh, voice calling, event ticketing, message attachment, train trips, flights, airport gate, and seat information, which will be very interesting for all those different travel apps that folks have. Are those people flying at home? <laughs> doing donuts in the parking lot waiting to, waiting to take off on the runway um also more stuff related to marzipan that we were talking about so apparently ios apps that have been marzipanified and running on the mac will have access to stuff that will allow ui kit apps to integrate with mac specific features such as the touch bar and menu bar which i think will be again very interesting to, to see and then split view apps ported from ios will have the ability to be resized by dragging the divider so maybe having it be kind of more custom on on exactly how much space you're getting with it or maybe going from like different size classes which i think is something that mark you've been you've been asking for for a long time uh, and apparently enabling mac support will be just as easy as checking a box in the target settings just as you would to add iPod, ipad support to an iphone only app we'll, we'll see what happens there um next bit on that is augmented reality which will include uh, a brand new swift only framework for ar and a companion app that lets developers create ar visual experiences and ar kit will get the ability to detect human poses and uh, for game developers support controllers with touchpads and stereo AR headsets. Let's talk a little bit about the um, Swift only framework. This is a very specific rumor. I don't think I've seen one of these yet that says like, oh yeah, like this this new thing will be Swift only. You're using Objective-E, sucks to be you, better use some Swift. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a sort of change based on Swift 5 ABI stability being being breached and like, all right, this is, this is here for the long term. They don't have to worry about um, dealing with things changing so much. It does seem like a big cultural change because you know we've talked about on the show before there's still plenty of objective c out there in the wild it's still very good at what it does i'm kind of curious on that one and then the ar kit getting the ability to tech human poses really sounds like it's intended to be like fortnite mode you know like people doing all those crazy dances and putting them into the game i wonder if that's that's the sort of capability that people will use uh continuing down the list here uh apparently we will get more control over the taptic engine which i do remember you could set different sort of like pulsing patterns 
for that. Uh, very, very limited. I think it was like three or four different types. Uh, apparently, this would give you more ability to further refine that, which could open up some interesting things. I think the Taptic Engine is, is so cool as an idea that it would be kind of neat to see how people end up using that in their apps to have a uh, either a non-visual means of understanding what's going on or a way to reinforce mentally what's going on. Just like the way we use sound, for example. It's like, oh, that's a message sent. Oh, this is a message received sort of thing. Oh, I was going to say uh, NFC is going to get improvements for uh, reading more types of tags. Um, unfortunately, the thing I was hoping for here, I was hoping they were going to say we could write to tags. I think people have been begging for that, uh, that sort of capability, but perhaps in some other iteration. Uh, of course, a new version of CoreML, surprise, surprise. Um, apparently, this will allow for apps to learn on device beyond just like we've talked about before of you do all the training on, say, like a server or your own desktop or something, output a finished model, and then put that in an app, and then you have to do the whole cycle over again. It looks like this will have some sort of feedback mechanism that you can run on device. Cool. And another thing I'm going to pick up on here that I think seems kind of neat is the document scanning functionality that you have in the Notes app will apparently be available for us developers as a new public framework, which I think would be pretty nice. I've definitely for document spanning? What's that? Document scanning. Sorry, I slurred. Oh, scan. Oh, scan. Document okay. scanning, like uh, Dropbox and mm-hmm. Notes mm-hmm. and yep. uh, SAP Concur. Everybody who uses uh, anything that needs to capture documents, they do, you know, uh, decurling, de-skewing, all that sorts of neat, cool stuff. OCR, probably. I mean, there's all sorts of things I can imagine that'd be pretty nice. So I, I think I'm going to predict, based on these two sets of rumors here, that this WWDC is not going to be one that's going to blow people's minds from, like, a user standpoint. I think it's going to blow developers' minds, because this sounds like a lot of cool stuff already. Well, they've had some stuff probably building up for two years now, right? Because last year was not a lot of new developer stuff, so so uh, maybe it will be pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, dark mode will get, on iOS, will get the, the sexiness, and, and Marzipan will get the sexiness uh, for, for users, but I think a lot of these things we just talked about for developers, assuming this is just, like, the taste that we get, seems like it'll be really cool, a lot of good stuff. Plus, they're going to announce the foldable phone, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure, for sure. All right. Um, the next article is for me, and uh, it uh, relates to, uh, uh, again, I was listening to CBC Spark, uh, the tech show on CBC Radio. And they were talking about, uh, there's a study being done um, about, uh, based on how much you use the apps you get for free. So whether it's Google, Google Maps, um, email services, Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, and that kind of stuff. And so this A.V. Collis, a uh, PhD guy from uh, MIT Sloan School of Management, uh, was reporting on uh, this this thing. There's an interview here. I've got linked in the show notes talking about what people would, what they would be willing to pay for services based on how much they use them. And uh, like, for instance, uh, surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, Facebook, uh, people would be willing to pay around 40 or $50 a month to be able to use the services uh, that they get from Facebook and, and uh, he thought was pretty high. And in Europe, um, where WhatsApp is a lot uh, in use, uh, people would, would uh, be willing to pay 500 euros a month uh, in Europe um, because everybody uses it for their business as well as for the personal lives, right? Um, search engines came in at around $15,000 a year, um, which is surprising. Um, I don't know if you guys are looking at this article at all, but... Um, what was the set of people that they asked? Because I feel like search engine, 15000 a year, if you had to five, pay... Five guys working at a bus stop, I think. Um, well, because I, I, I think from a developer standpoint, that could make some sense. Like, just mm-hmm. think about if you could not Google that weird-ass SDK error that you just got. Right, right. Uh, now, how much would you pay <laughs> yeah i don't know would, would, would people throw up their arms if they if all of a sudden these services decided they weren't going to charge for, for what they're doing right so we talked about 
talked about the other side of it, you know, like like basically if you don't own it, you're 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 the product, right? Or if you're getting it for free, right? Um, the, you know, then they're they're using they're tracking you using your data for something because why else would they be doing this, right? Other or maybe to present you with ads, that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, if you had to pay for this, like like cable TV or or you know uh, streaming streaming television, would you would you would you be willing to pay this kind of money for it, right? Like yeah. Netflix has kind of set the bar low. Go ahead. Mark. It's it's interesting. It, it it you know these numbers presumably are are based in some sense on on the amount of usage that a that a particular user has of these products, and and that amount of usage is based on the fact that it's free. So if if they were not paying for or sorry if it were not free if they were paying for it, presumably the amount of usage would go down, and and therefore the amount of value they're getting out of it would go down. So I I, I don't know how much how much weight you can put into these numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I don't know the details of how they did that calculation, but but it seems like and actually it's also if you read the article, it's saying this is the amount of money, this is the amount of value that these services bring to the user. Mm-hmm. So Facebook is valued at around four to fifty dollars per month. That does not necessarily mean that 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 any given person is going to actually pay that. So you know, how is something valued is always a subjective argument. So, but but it's interesting. It's interesting. Would you pay yeah, for Facebook? So <laughs> let, let's let, let's do the the fantasy scenario here because I, I I can see how this works, right? Um. So so let's assume people have already gotten hooked on these things. This isn't like at the very beginning of Facebook time. Yeah, Facebook charges yeah. $40 like as a brand new service. No, no. Everybody's gotten it all integrated into their lifestyle. Now they yoink it away. And let's assume it's somehow <laughs> impossible to have a competitor to fill the market, right? So we're going for like, what's the true value here? To your point, Mark, I think for people who use it to keep in touch with family, it, it might be worth 40 to 50 bucks. But for people who, you know, hey, my, my family lives right down the street. Hey, what do I care? I just go walk over and say hi to them. <laughs> right? Like, But you know, you think about, say it's a family of four keeping in touch with their, you know, um, siblings or cousins or whatever. And so, and so, you know, a family group of, let's say 20 people, let's say, right. Might be smaller, might be bigger. That's a thousand bucks almost that that whole group is paying. Is it worth a thousand bucks for the whole group? I wonder. Wait, wouldn't they get a family bundle though? Like for five users or something like that? Well, who says, would they? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. No, I am like, like I've talked about this before we use facebook to communicate like i'm in hawaii right now and if, and, uh, if you're a friend of mine on facebook not that everybody's going to get be, get to be a friend of mine on facebook but you know i've been posting up pictures for family members you know and in, in other states and other provinces that you know we don't get to see or talk to all the time but the fact that we have facebook means that we're in communication all the time right so is that worth forty dollars a month to my my household for instance right because that's who would, would be paying for it right it's a good question yeah. i don't mm-hmm. know you know my, my gut would be no <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't want to have to pay that but but that's because we've been getting it for free for so long right but right right who's, who's going to pay for the cow if the milk is free right 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 yeah. I mean that's an interesting article, and it's it's an actual audio uh, audio um, from their podcast. So um, I suggest people listen to the audio. I think there was more detail in the in the uh, in the audio version than there is in the, the written written version. It does say that it was edited for, for to fit on the website, but uh, yeah. There's another one real quick. Um, I just saw this on mobile spirit spirit mobile syrup when I was looking up the uh, McDonald's information that apparently Apple has uh, is applied to for a patent on a paintbrush accessory with haptic feedback. 
feedback for uh, for painting. I think one of the things I talked about before is that uh, one of the, one of my problems was as an artist working with uh, you know a plastic pen on a glass surface is it doesn't feel like a Conte crayon on paper or a watercolor brush on paper and or oil paint on on canvas. You know those all have a certain tactile feel and and uh, if you've ever, if, even if you you, know, you guys probably use crayons before in coloring books, there's, there's a certain amount of feel to uh, when you know there's there's feedback from the paper and you know from the medium that you're using uh, whether it's a crayon or a paintbrush or what have you and maybe they're apples coming up with a way to do this through software to give you the impression that you're um, applying something to an actual piece of paper or to some canvas right so that'd be an interesting yeah, thing interesting. and um, yeah. yeah this is quickly a little article just talks about some of the ideas but uh, and i'm just spitballing what i think it could be used for um yeah so like i said it's a quick quick article mm-hmm. i think it'll be pretty cool um we'll find out in a few weeks right hopefully <laughs> maybe or maybe a few years <laughs> maybe or maybe not yeah and of course carol who's with me on this trip in hawaii was uh, looking on the national Ge- geographic app um that uh, and i thought it was in- of interest to us because some of us are involved in the market of making drones um but apparently there was a flower that they had thought was uh, um, related to hibiscus but there's a flower in hawaii that they had thought was had gone extinct they had hadn't seen one in, in a number of years and they were flying around with a drone up in the up in the mountains and they discovered this um uh hibiscus i should get out how i to pronounce this because he's much better at this stuff than we are right hibiscus phyllis woody uh or would i two eyes like they do in hawaii here um for this particular flower uh, which they thought was ex- deemed extinct in 2016 and here it is again so uh discovered in in um 91 named in 1995 and not seen since 2016 and here it is three years later a drone has found it on the island of Kauai, in fact which is where i am gay drones yeah, drones. <laughs> Game of Drones. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All so, right, so, so this was a drone that was. It's it's unclear to me. Was this? Did they send this out intending to look for stuff like this, or was this one of those like package delivery drones on a test flight? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody QA is like, wait lost. a minute. Yeah, yeah. I had a botany degree before I came to work here at this company, and let me tell you, this is this is an extinct plant. Mm, right. Yeah. yeah Hurry up, I get that package delivered. But yeah, see, but it doesn't really say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It says there's uh, a video here. Showing the, the path of which I guess is the what does that stand for? Sorry, National Tropical Bot- Botanical Garden. Yeah. So NTBG has been using drones for around two and a half years in the area, which is known for, known as a biodiversity hotspot. So it does seem like that. Yeah, they fly them pretty regularly around there. Maybe they weren't looking specifically for this flower, but they use them to see what's going on and see what's up in in this area. And right. uh, happen to see this. Pretty cool. Yeah, and of course they got a pictures that the uh, drone snapped for them of this uh, plant. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Shot, you know, got the the portrait mode turned on on the camera, and uh, the mountains are all out of focus in the background. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. All right, um, all right. I guess we're we're at the pick phase of our show, right here, honey. Indeed. So, what do you got for us? Mine is a tweet from the official Apple Support Twitter account, and I had no clue that you could use Siri to do this. So, apparently, um, and I'll talk a little bit about a little bit of my testing, and not very scientific testing, just kind of random late at night testing. Uh, apparently, Siri can remind you about emails news articles, Safari links, and more, and can pop up reminders right when you need them. So if you just say, hey, followed by the word Siri, remind me about this. It will contextually know what you're looking at. And it's actually like pretty damn cool. Like it will create a reminder. So it's like, you know, remind me about this in five minutes or remind me about this on Wednesday at 5 p.m. And it will create a little reminder in your reminders app. The reminder will come up and it will have a link to that thing that you were dealing with. Whether it's, in my case, I tested it out with Safari links. Uh, Like if I was, you know, just browsing the interwebs, I tested 
it out with specific emails. I didn't try news articles because I'm not an Apple News user. Um, I tried it in a whole bunch of other apps, had no success except for the official Twitter app, which did take me to the specific tweets that I was looking at. I don't really oh, know cool. how this works. I assume it's, um, what is it called? NS user activity, you know, the right. handoff continuity mm-hmm. um, data structure. I assume they're using that under the covers somewhere, but I don't really know. And, and, well, and it's, it's like probably also a series shortcut because I, I use this all the time for to, rem- to make, create reminders um, using the shortcut app, right? I have one for at work and one for at home and I'll say, I'll, I'll type on, tap on it and enter, you know, remind me to pay this invoice or remind me to look up this call the insurance company, whatever, when I get to work or something like that, right? But this sounds like great for us as because I can tell you, I can't tell you the number of times I'm looking at an article or reading a tweet or whatever, and then I have to go madly scrolling back on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning to try and put into our show notes, you know, some, unless, I, unless I do it right then and there on the spot, um, you know, rather than having to run off to, you know, switch, do the copy and paste, flip back and forth to our Google Doc, you know, just sort of set a reminder, hey, remind me of this article, remind me of that article, and, and then, uh, yeah, have it pop up. It'd be cool if it could, if it could, uh, you could set it to remind me or, or notify me if Apple files a patent or notify me if, you know, the price of iPads drop or something like that, you know, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, in this case, I'm, I'm still confused because I said, oh, like, yeah, obviously this must be some sort of internal private API thing that Apple uses for uh, the mail app, news app, Safari, and a couple other apps. What surprised me was the fact that the official Twitter app worked. And I, I assume that there must be something that is being picked up automatically, you know, automatically from some combination of like um, universal app links and, and its user activity and handoff and you know, some other sets, whatever it is that Twitter has implemented in their official app that checks all the right boxes for this to work with Siri, just the way that Apple's official apps do. Well, doesn't, doesn't, uh, don't these apps, I, I thought we had a list of apps that had Siri shortcuts already built into them. We had that, uh, I think it was my pick maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think Twitter was one of them, you know, that had, uh, had some built in hooks already. So you think if we go into like the settings for Siri and see which apps have uh, shortcuts available, then therefore I'd be able to be reminded about those sorts of things. That's well, a pretty good that? hypothesis. Some, I hadn't, hadn't really considered that. That's something we can do now. Do you know? Let's do this. Let's do some investigative work on the, on the show. Live on the show. Uh, Real time. Siri and search. What do I have on here? Set up, of All, course. Oh, it's thinking about it. All While he's doing that, I should apologize to people that I'm using my earbuds to record the show this week as opposed to my fancy microphone. So I apologize for the sound quality this week. Doesn't sound too bad. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll fix it in post too. All right. Here's a good candidate. So I have available a search in Chrome and Google is notorious for not doing iOS things. So let me see. Yeah. So I just opened Twitter. Let me pull down Twitter. I'm not getting any serious suggestions. Hmm. Maybe try my phone. Do you get more? Su- do you get serious suggestions on your iPad? Um, pretty sure I do. Okay. Let me see here. Um, I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to mute my mic while I ask Siri to do this stuff. Yeah. Oh, why? <laughs> There's a fun in that. I mean, oh, that's weird. I'm using here. I go, I go, I go in for you. Let's do this. Let's go to high. So I'm opening, I'm opening the messages app on my phone and I've gone to my Jaime Lopez Jr. account and I'm going to go, uh, Hey Siri, remind me to wish Jaime a happy birthday tomorrow. Okay. There you go. Is tomorrow actually your birthday, Javi? It is. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. So yeah, that was a messages app. Let's try Twitter. Hold on. Trying another third party app. Hey, Twitter, remind me to tweet to everybody that it's Jaime's birthday tomorrow. Okay, I'll remind you. 
<laughs> I'll link the John Ehrlichman article in there in the reminder. So. All right. So here's two really weird ones. So I tried the Google Chrome app and I just went to a web page about the um, the guy that won the, the big lottery mm-hmm. thing. And it created a reminder with a link to Safari, notably not Chrome, which is interesting. And then I went to the deliveries app and I looked at one of the, the boxes that I'm tracking and it created a reminder for that specific delivery. So yeah, I, I truly believe this must have something to do with um, the Siri shortcut stuff that you mentioned there. I don't know why I got confused about Chrome, but I think you're right. Anything that has a Siri shortcuts is something I assume, like here's Twitter's on here too. I assume that I can ask Siri to remind me about this thing. Right, right. By the way, um, so it did it did add a reminder about your birthday here in my phone, but did I tell you the time that I, I sent our um, our podcast to a transcription service that, that uses uses AI to do the transcriptions? No, I don't think I don't think so. Well, every time I say Jaime, it gets messed up. Like, it's funny, Siri knows that when I say Jaime, they spell it J-A-I-M-E, right? But so it says here, and in, in, I said, ask, remind me to, to wish Jaime a happy birthday tomorrow. It came up as, wish him a happy birthday. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> Jaime. <laughs> if you had to guess when you're when you're doing the NLP, the natural language processing, and it's like, uh, uh, which path do I choose? Oh, this one's probably safe. <laughs> So I have to wish him, and then tomorrow I'm going to get nine o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go, who was I supposed to remember? Him, you know, him, a, him, a, (laughs) all right. No comments, Mark. Uh, We lost. All right. Okay. Well, I guess that's it for the week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where do they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. And uh, Mark, if you want to get in touch with you. Mark R at Snapsoft.com. All right. All right. As usual, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, is on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. I'm in Kauai for one more day. Friday, I fly to Maui. So if you're listening and you're in Maui, give me a ping and uh, I brought some pins with me. You never know. You could get a nice MTJC lapel pin. If you hit me up on the Twitter machine. Anyway, uh, that goes to the rest of you too, by the way. Sorry? You have the MTJC Lays ready to go? Lays? No, I don't. Actually, I thought you only... We didn't get those when we landed here. Do you get those at the airport? Like, in, is it the big island you get laid? Or? It, I, I don't think they do that much anymore. Yeah, they used to do it back... I guess in the back of the day when you used to walk down the... the You know, the when you, when you went down to the tarmac when you got off the plane, yeah, right? They might have yeah. done that then. Yeah. And that was probably for the, you know, the first class passengers or something. Could be. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyway, I, I've only seen them in the... In the grocery stores and the food land that's here uh, they have some lays you can buy like and they're all almost like corsages now i guess right at the abc anyway. store? Uh, huh? at the abc store no this is at the at the food land oh well, maybe they don't have those on Kauai, but uh, on uh, on oahu at least the abc store is like 7-eleven they're all over the place oh this, the store yeah there's this thing called somebody's um workshop i forget what it is there's, there's like a, a roadside sort of thing that um there's one near here that i've seen i've seen it i think it's a franchise because i've seen it around a few times right like I was looking for a convenience store. Let me do, do that. Convenience stores nearby. Oh, uh, well, oh, sorry. Yeah, Wayne, 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 yeah. General stores. The general stores. That's what I'm looking for. There's a few general stores around. Um, I thought they all look like they're uh, franchise. You can type in general store. Anyway, so uh, yeah. Until next week, we'll say bye bye. Bye bye. Aloha. Aloha. And isn't Mohola or Mahalo? Mahalo. That's thank you. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. I've seen that a few times, but I wasn't sure why. Yeah, Aloha works for hello and goodbye, right? So Aloha. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. 
you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find out details on how to help us out on the website, mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Now stick around for the after show. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. did some more testing and it cannot be specifically Siri shortcut access because I tried the voice memos app on iOS, which is an official Apple app and is something that has Siri shortcuts. And it could not remind me about the voice memos app. Um, I have a Siri shortcut for Walmart, the Walmart's app, and it could not remind me about that. And the same thing with YouTube, which does have Siri shortcut stuff and could not remind me about that. So there's, there's something, and I don't know exactly what it is that is capable of doing that. Now I'm changing my opinion back to NS user activity. And I'm thinking I have to go rewatch some WWDC sessions or, or, or wait for June when they inevitably talk about integrating this sort of thing. Yeah. By the way, just, just, we talked about uh, tunnel there and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think, I don't know if I mentioned on this show, but a friend of mine said he came down to the States and he couldn't watch Game of Thrones because he was here in the States and, and uh, his Bell 5 TV thing didn't work. But uh, so Carol wanted to, you know, get news just to sort of see what was going on in the world. And so um, I, I downloaded the APC app so she could do that. But uh, tunnel there also lets us connect to the Canadian because um, we can, we can tunnel into Canada and it'll connect to the Canadian uh, uh, you know, TV services apps on the, on the iPad, right? So tunnel bear for the win. Yeah, I guess I could have used that. I, oh, I similarly don't know if I mentioned it on this show, but when I went to Japan and the UK, oh yeah, uh, YouTube TV was a big failure for me. It's like, oh, sorry, oh, yeah. you can only watch this normal YouTube stuff. You can't watch the yeah. broadcast stuff that I would normally be able to watch sitting here in my uh, in my house. Right. And Netflix was wild and crazy to me because they gave me the. Where did I try this? I can't remember if I tried it in the UK, but I definitely tried it in Japan, where I got. I was like, oh, what the hell? Why? discovery in my netflix like oh oh all these other entries look weird too i guess they switched me over to the japanese netflix japanese okay right yeah 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 i noticed when i was in the states a couple of years ago as um using netflix on my my mac or whatever and it uh it showed me content that i wasn't able to get in canada at all right so like in movies that that were available on u.s netflix even though i was logged in with my canadian account Weird, eh? Yeah. It's, it's a weird, wild world where wild online West. distribution has made it so that anything can hypothetically be anywhere else instantaneously, and yet we have <laughs> these weird artificial boundaries. Yeah, yeah.